Many years ago, a neighbor rang my doorbell one evening and urged me and my family to be vaccinated against smallpox. It was only one of thousands of volunteers who were ringing doorbells all over New York City. Frightened people stood in lines for hours at a time to be vaccinated. Vaccination stations were open not only in all hospitals, but also in firehouses, police prisons, and all large industrial plants. More than 2,000 doctors and nurses worked feverishly day and night, vaccinating crowds. The cause of all this excitement? Eight people in New York City had smallpox, and two had died. Two deaths out of a population of almost 8 million. Now, I had lived in New York for many, many years, and no one had ever yet rung my doorbell to warn me against the emotional sickness of worry. An illness that, during the same time period, had caused 10,000 times more damage than smallpox. No doorbell ringer has ever warned me that one person out of 10, now living in these United States, will have a nervous breakdown, induced in the vast majority of cases by worry and emotional conflicts. The great Nobel Prize winner in medicine, Dr. Alexis Carroll, said, Businessmen who do not know how to fight worry die young. And so do housewives and do- horse doctors and bricklayers. A few years ago, I spent my vacation motoring through Texas and New Mexico with Dr. O.F. Gober, one of the medical executives of the Santa Fe Railway. His exact title was Chief Physician of the Gulf, Colorado, and Santa Fe Hospital Association. We got to talking about the effects of worry, and he said, 70% of all patients who come to physicians could cure themselves if they only got rid of their fears and worries. Don't think for a moment that I mean that their ills are Im- imaginary, he said. Their ills are as real as a throbbing toothache and sometimes a hundred times more serious. I refer to such illnesses as nervous indigestion, some stomach ulcers, heart disturbances, insomnia, some headaches, and some types of paralysis. These illnesses are real. I know what I am talking about, said Dr. Gober, for I myself suffered from a stomach ulcer for 12 years. Fear causes worry. Worry makes you tense and nervous and affects the nerves of your stomach and actually changes the gastric juices of your stomach from normal to abnormal and often leads to stomach ulcers. Dr. Joseph F. Montag author of the book Nervous Stomach Trouble says much the same thing. He says, You do not get stomach ulcers from what you eat. You get ulcers from what is eating you. Dr. W.C. Alvarez of the Mayo Clinic said, Ulcers frequently flare up or subside according to the hills and valleys of emotional stress. That statement was backed up by a study of 15,000 patients treated for stomach disorders at the Mayo Clinic. Four out of five had no physical basis whatever for their stomach illnesses. Fear, worry, hate, supreme selfishness, and the inability to adjust themselves to the world of reality, these were largely the causes of their stomach illnesses and stomach ulcers. Stomach ulcers can kill you. According to Life magazine, they now stand 10th in our list of fatal diseases. I recently had some correspondence with Dr. Harold C. Habane of the Mayo Clinic. He read a paper at the annual meeting of the American Association of Industrial Physicians and Surgeons saying that 
he had made a study of 176 business executives whose average age was 44.3 years. He reported that slightly more than a third of these executives suffered from one of three ailments peculiar to high-tension living, heart disease, digestive tract ulcers, and high blood pressure. Think of it. A third of our business executives are wrecking their bodies with heart disease, ulcers, and high blood pressure before they even reach 45. What bright success! And they aren't even buying success. Can any man possibly be a success who is paying for business advancement with stomach ulcers and heart trouble? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his health? Even if he owned the whole world, he could sleep in only one bed at a time and eat only three meals a day. Even a new employee could do that and probably sleep more soundly and enjoy his food more than a high-powered executive. Frankly, I would rather be a carefree person with no responsibility than wreck my health at 45 by trying to run a railroad or a cigarette company. The best-known cigarette manufacturer in the world dropped dead from heart failure while trying to take a little recreation in the Canadian woods. He amassed millions and fell dead at 61. He probably traded years of his life for what is called business success. In my estimation, this cigarette executive with all his millions was not half as successful as my father, a Missouri farmer who died at 89 without a dollar. The famous Mayo brothers declared that more than half of our hospital beds are occupied by people with nervous troubles. Yet, when the nerves of these people are studied under a high-powered microscope in a post-mortem examination, their nerves in most cases are apparently as healthy as the nerves of Jack Dempsey. Their nervous troubles are caused not by a physical deterioration of the nerves, but by emotions of futility, frustration, anxiety, worry, fear, defeat, despair. Plato said that the greatest mistake physicians make is that they attempt to cure the body without attempting to cure the mind. Yet, the mind and body are one and should not be treated separately. It took medical science 2300 years to recognize this great truth. You're just now beginning to develop a new kind of medicine called psychosomatic medicine. A medicine that treats both the mind and the body. It is high time we are doing that, for medical science has largely wiped out the terrible diseases caused by physical germs. Diseases such as smallpox, cholera, yellow fever, and scores of other scourges that swept untold millions into untimely graves. But medical science has been unable to cope with the mental and physical wrecks caused, not by germs, but by emotions of worry, fear, hate, frustration, and despair. Casualties caused by these emotional diseases are mounting and spreading with catastrophic rapidity. One out of every six of our young men called up by the draft in the Second World War was rejected for psychiatric reasons. What causes insanity? No one knows all the answers, but it is highly probable that in many cases, fear and worry are contributing factors. The anxious and harassed individual who is unable to cope with the harsh world of reality breaks off all contact with his environment and retreats into a private dream world of his own making, and this solves his worry problems. I have on my desk a book by Dr. Edward Podolsky entitled 
Stop worrying and get well. Here are some of the chapter titles in that book. What worry does to the heart. High blood pressure is fed by worry. Rheumatism can be caused by worry. Worry less for your stomach's sake. How worry can cause a cold. Worry and the thyroid. The worrying diabetic. Another illuminating book about worry is Man Against Himself by Dr. Carl Menninger, one of the Mayo brothers of psychiatry. Dr. Menninger's book will not give you any rules about how to avoid worry, but it will give you a startling revelation of how we destroy our bodies and minds by anxiety, frustration, hatred, resentment, rebellion, and fear. You will probably find a copy in your public library. Worry can make even the most stolid person ill. General Grant discovered that during the closing days of the Civil War. The story goes like this. Grant had been besieging Richmond for nine months. General Lee's troops, ragged and hungry, were beaten. Entire regiments were deserting. At a time, others were holding prayer meetings in their tents, shouting, weeping, and seeing visions. The end was close. Lee's men set fire to the cotton and tobacco warehouses in Richmond, burned the arsenal, and fled from the city at night while towering flames roared up into darkness. Grant was in hot pursuit, banging away at the Confederates from both sides of the rear, while Sheridan's cavalry was heading them off in front, tearing up railway lines and capturing supply trains. Grant, half-blind with a violent sick headache, fell behind his army and stopped at a farmhouse. I spent the night, he records in his memoirs, bathing my feet in hot water and mustard and putting mustard plasters on my wrists and the back part of my neck, hoping to be cured by morning. The next morning, he was cured instantaneously, and the thing that cured him was not a mustard plaster, but a horseman galloping down the road with a letter from Lee, saying he wanted to surrender. When the officer bearing the message reached me, Grant wrote, I was still suffering with a sick headache, but the instant I saw the contents of the note, I was geared. Obviously, it was Grant's worries, tensions, and emotions that made him ill. He was cured instantly the moment his emotions took on the hue of confidence, achievement, and victory. Seventy years later, Henry Morgenthau Jr., Secretary of the Treasury in Franklin D. Roosevelt's cabinet, discovered that worry could make him so ill that he was so dizzy. He records in his diary that he was terribly worried when the president, in order to raise the price of wheat, bought 4,400,000 bushels in one day. He says in his diary, I felt literally dizzy while the thing was going on. I went home and went to bed for two hours after lunch. If I want to see what worry does to people, I don't have to go to a, a library or a physician. I can look out of the window of my home where I am writing this book, and I can see within one block, one house where worry caused nervous breakdown, and another house where a man worried himself into diabetes. When the stock market went down, the sugar in his high blood and urine went up. When Montaigne, the illustrious French philosopher, was elected mayor of his home in of his hometown, Bordeaux, he said to his fellow citizens, I am willing to take your affairs into my hands, but not into my liver and lungs. This neighbor of mine took the affairs of the stock market into his bloodstream and almost killed himself. 
If I want to be reminded of what worry does to people, I don't need to look at my neighbor's houses. I can look at this very room where I am writing now and be reminded that a former owner of this house worried himself into a time, untimely grave. Worry can put you into a wheelchair with rheumatism and arthritis. Dr. Russell L. Cecil, world-recognized authority on arthritis, has listed four of the commonest conditions that bring on arthritis. 1. Marital shipwreck. 2. Financial disaster and grief. 3. Loneliness and worry. And 4. Long-cherished resentments. Naturally, these four emotional ill situations are far from being the only causes of arthritis. There are many different kinds of arthritis due to various cases. But to repeat, the commonest conditions that bring on arthritis are the four listed by Dr. Russell L. Cecil. For example, a friend of mine was so hard hit during the depression that the gas company shut off the gas and the bank foreclosed the mortgage on the house. His wife suddenly had a painful attack of arthritis and in spite of medicine and diets, the arthritis continued until their financial situation improved. Thank you.